Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. We're doing our seventh teaching on the secret to abundant life. And the secret to abundant life we've been talking about is obedience and This really has changed my life, and I want to share something with you all this morning that that the Lord told me this morning that was very sobering, and I really like good, happy, light things from God, but if we only hear that, then it's not balanced, and it's also not true. God is a God of mercy and love, and mercy always triumphs over judgment, but He's also a God of truth and judgment, and if He says something... He means it, and um, I've had a particularly rough week with um, medicine, with narcotics and their reactions, um, and just chemically feeling like I'm in one room and my brain's in the other, and um, very, very scary feeling. And so there's a lot of that going on in my life, and then the, the conflict between having to have them for the first time, I've had chronic pain for 30 years, but having to have narcotics um, for the first time since this last surgery because of the hardware that, that they put in. I mean, I not only can only bend my back, but, and, and nothing else, I'm, excuse me, my neck, and nothing else, my back is fused, but the hardware that, that they put in um, was just massive for me, and so I've been really struggling with that, and I wanted to share a couple things the Lord has been telling me because he's done so many miracles in my life. And I know he's done miracles in your life, whether you have really recognized it or not. If you have a child, you have a miracle. I mean, you didn't create that child. If you have anyone in your life that loves you and looks after you and just would do anything for you, then that is God-given. I mean, God is love. And for you to be in this room and know Jesus Christ is also a miracle. Because Jesus said that the road is wide, that people will go down. That's the easy way, but the narrow road, there will be few. And so you look around and you think, gosh, it doesn't look like few. It looks like a whole, whole bunch of people in America that say, oh, yeah, 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 we're Christians, we believe in God. But I don't want to judge anybody. I just want to judge myself in the sense of God says to look within your own heart and really be honest with yourself. And two things that that he shared with me um, yesterday. One was, Kathleen, you feel like I'm not doing anything with your back and with the medicine. It looks like I'm not, but I am. And you have no idea how many things I've saved you from where you would have died. And I want to share that with you this morning. You have no idea how many things that God has saved you and your children from. No idea. And yet, we're not grateful for those things. I think what I really felt in my heart was to to praise Him this morning. God, thank you for all those things that that could have happened and that you thwarted. 
I don't understand why I'm in the things that I'm in, but I know that you give me daily bread. You know, I started asking Lacey questions like, you know, it just can't get any worse than this, so what about tomorrow? And he said, what about tomorrow? God gives us daily bread. You can't think about tomorrow. Because when you have a lot of really horrific things happen to you, you start to just brace yourself for the next train. And God doesn't want us to live like that. He wants us to constantly say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will trust you, God, that no matter what comes my way today, you will give me the strength, the energy, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then I got a very sobering answer from the Lord that I really didn't want to share with you all this morning, but I'm teaching a class on obedience. And so I thought, if I'm going to be teaching this class on obedience in disobedience, it might sort of mess up the spirit thing going on in here. But I was praying and I was saying, you know, Lord, why are so many people praying for things in in their life and they just, especially like, you know, Lord, I'm afraid or um, Lord, I need peace. And why are they not receiving those things? Because I do receive those things so readily from Him. All of the promises that, that He says that He is. And He said, because they call upon the Lord and I am not their Lord. We need to really look and say, who have we made Lord in our lives? Jesus may be your Savior, but who is your Lord? And that's very sobering. And yet, we're not stuck there. We're not stuck there. We can pray this morning, ask for forgiveness this morning, start over this morning, The book of Lamentations says that His mercy is new every morning. Every morning His mercy is new. You get to start over. And that's what we're going to start out praying this morning before our lesson. Is Lord, I want You, Jesus Christ, to be my Lord. I don't want me to be my Lord. I don't want society to be my Lord. I don't want money to be my Lord. I don't... Help me to make you my Lord. See, whoever your Lord is, is who you obey. If you obey your own flesh and gut and feelings, then you are your Lord. And when you call upon the Lord, it's just you. If you make somebody else your idol, then they are. Whoever you obey is your Lord. And so we have to kind of stop and think, who do I obey? Who do I listen to? Who do I put first? Who is Lord of my life? Because it's so easy to slip away. I've slipped away many times. And I have to go back and go, Jesus, forgive me. I've made this my Lord or that my Lord. So many people in ministry even make ministry their Lord. They make their particular gift from God, their Lord. They can have an incredible, beautiful singing voice and all of a sudden that, that, that becomes number one over God. Anything we put first, anything we serve, 
is our Lord. And I really feel that that's the message that I needed to bring for prayer this morning. And that's what we're going to pray. Would you bow your heads? Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we just proclaim you as our Lord. If you'll just repeat this in your heart, not out loud. Father, forgive me for making anything my Lord over Jesus. I want to obey Jesus and I want to put Him first. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Lord, help me to seek you first, to put you first. Today, I make you my Lord. I start over, and I need your help. I humble myself before you, asking for your help. Cleanse me now. Create in me a new heart. Take away the the mourning and the sadness and the oppression in my spirit and give me a lightness as I lift up all my burdens to you because you tell me to. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, here we go. Message 7 of the Secret to Abundant Life Obedience Series. The most important thing to continually do as a believer is obey. You know, if I go to different groups or different cities or different churches and I say the most important thing to do as a believer is, a lot of people say, pray or read the Bible or um, know the scriptures. But you can do all those things. Go to church. Be kind to my neighbor. Be a good mom. Tithe. You can do all those things. And if you don't obey God, it doesn't matter. And see, that's what's striking me right now. It's a lot of people read the Bible, they have the knowledge, they go to church, and they feel really good about it all. But Jesus is not their Lord. Anything you obey more than Him is your Lord. And it's so good to know that because Christianity doesn't stop at salvation where it's like, okay, Jesus, be my Savior, and it's like an insurance policy. Okay, he is, you know, moving on. I am going to direct my life from here on out. You know, most of us do get to that age where we have directed our lives and tested our own self out as Lord, and it just wouldn't, it's not working too well. And we have to go back and say, God, I think you know a lot more than I do, even about me. And I make you my Lord. See, following him is exciting and safe and wonderful and yet not safe because it's scary and yet scary in a good way because he has control and you don't have control. And yet so wonderful because you didn't really want control all along. You just didn't know what else to do. You are his child, and he wants you 
to obey. And that is the one thing I see all of us as Christians around the world not doing. We pray, but we don't obey. We read the scriptures, but we don't obey. We um, act nice, but we don't obey. And so it's time for us to humble ourselves before God and, and obey and realize that that's a good thing, that that's not a bad thing, that that will open up heaven to our lives, open up so many doors. You know, the scriptures will back this up, but I don't want to get off on a tangent, but the more you obey, we've been teaching over the last seven weeks, the more God can reveal to you, the more God can bless you, the more God can share with you. Because he's not going to share or reveal to you things that he knows you won't do. Because then he would have to hold you accountable to those things. And you as parents are the same way. The more your child obeys, the more your child matures, the more your child is just very, very instantly, yes sir, yes ma'am, and they do it, the more you want to give them. The more you want to share with them, the more mature you, they are, the more gifts you dole out to them, the more praise you feel towards them. Just so excited. But that child that is constantly dragging his feet, and he says he loves you and you love him too. You don't love him any less. Or he even is rebelling in certain ways. You don't give him the keys to the car when he's been out drinking and has already had three wrecks because you don't want to hurt him. God is the same way with us. I want more and more of God in this life because I need more and more of God in this life because this life is getting darker and darker We're not raising kids in the same generation that our parents raised kids in, and they didn't raise us in the same generation that they were raised in, and it is getting darker. There is more evil out there. And there is accessibility to it so easily through text messaging and phones and cell phones and... um, videos and TV and DVDs and instant messaging and, gosh, I'm probably leaving a bunch of things out. But this is the time that we need the Word. We need to go to church. We need to hear and hear and hear and hear. And we need to obey not only God, but the people that God has sent to love us and and shepherd us. We need to know that God loves us and He wants us to obey Him and obey them. And what I mean by that is even the leaders in our church, if they make a decision, it's not so much that we agree on everything that's made, but we don't ever talk against them because they're the leaders in our church. I have to ask forgiveness for God when I do that. Just like you don't want your children to go out and talk against you. And God has set up this beautiful, protective covering over us. In my house, because of what I read in the Bible, Lacey is my protective covering. 
And then my church is my protective covering. My board for the ministry, for Kathleen Witten Ministries, is my protective covering. If they say no, it's no. If they say don't do something, I don't say, oh, sure, yeah, and then go do it because I want to stay under that protective covering. But that's a whole other teaching. That's a whole other teaching. As we learned over the last seven weeks, in order to obey God, we need to know how he speaks. So we've been talking about how he speaks and how to attune our spirits to hear him. And after we hear him, we respond. Obviously, even if you attune your ears to hear God, after you hear him, you have to respond. You either respond by doing nothing, or you respond by, I didn't hear that. No, 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 no. La, 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 Which I've done before. You know when God tells you something that you really don't want to do. Or you respond with, no. I'm mad at you. I'm not doing that. What have you done for me lately? You think people don't respond to God that way? You'd be surprised. Or you respond with, Let me think about it. And yet, slow obedience is no obedience. Because there's a timing with God. And I've learned that. I told you the story about the lady who died, who God kept telling me, go see her, go see her, go see her, go see her, go see her. And I never made it there. There's a timing with God. God wants us to respond. But then I look at that. And I think I need a more in-depth word study even on obey. And we looked at obey in addition to meaning hear or listen, as we've been discussing, that obey means to hear or listen. In both the Hebrew and the Greek language, it also means to believe. To believe The response that God is looking for from us is to believe him. To say even, I have no idea what you're talking about and I don't know why, but yes, sir. To believe him. Both the Greek and Hebrew words for obey also mean to believe God wants us to respond in belief. And John 6, 28 and 29 says, Then they asked him, Jesus, they asked. The disciples were with him. And they wanted to know this deep in their heart. And we've asked this question ourselves. What must I do to work the works of God? What must we do to do the works that God requires? Haven't you asked that? Like, what does God want me to do? Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. Because I found out that Jesus died for me. And I found out that I receive eternity. And I found out all of these things that are promises to me. That that the Bible says to raise up a child in the way in which he'll go. And when he's older, he won't depart from it. And and that I have protection. And that God hears my prayers. And I, I, I want to do what he wants me to do. So tell me what he wants me to do. And Jesus answered the word work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To do the works of God is not necessarily to learn all of his words or sing the right songs or be nice. 
It's to believe. Believe Him and respond in belief. And when you do that, you know what you believe and, and who you believe determines, if you think about it, think about this, what you believe, who you believe determines who you are right now, what you will become, how you live your life today, and where you will live your life for eternity. We respond to everything and everyone according to what we believe about God. That is my truth within me and something that the Holy Spirit really dropped in me when I was studying this. And I want you to really let that sink in. We respond to everyone and everything according to what we really believe about God. What we believe about God determines how we respond to other people. I was in the pain clinic the other day waiting to see the nurse, and I go in every three months and um, or in order to refill these triplicate narcotic um, prescriptions that I hate taking and wish I wasn't and don't understand what God's doing right now, but I know He's my healer and I believe Him, and so I have joy. You see, you respond to God and to people and to circumstances according to what you really believe. But I was in the pain clinic and we were waiting for hours and it was packed. But there was this old lady in a wheelchair with just a little blouse on. Her leg was swollen um, very badly. She had no one with her. And it was freezing in there. It was freezing in there. And I was kind of like the last to come. You know how you know you go somewhere in a doctor's office and it's packed and you're the last one in there and you're thinking, oh, okay, get the computer out, you know. I always take my computer everywhere because I've written most of the meditations I've written, most of the things I've written, I've written in doctor's offices. <laughs> what we believe determines how we respond to people. You know, I got really busy with my writing of this talk, I mean, of studying, and, and I was really into it, and, and yet I kept looking at her, and I thought, she needs a blanket, you know, but I was really comfortable, and I thought, you know, if I get her a blanket, she might start talking to me, you know, you know when you're just not in the mood to talk to somebody, and I thought, I, and then I would have to like crouch down next to her wheelchair and listen for maybe an hour because it takes sometimes an hour, hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours to get in. And then I realized, oh my gosh, that's one of God's lambs. And when he left, Peter, who who is the rock of the church, he said, feed my lambs, take care of my lambs. That's what matters to me. People matter to me. People matter to me. And if you love God and you believe God and you follow God, then people should matter to you. All people. And so I, I went and, and asked the nurse and they got her a warm blanket and wrapped it around her. And it happens that she really didn't want to talk. And I went back to writing. But I thought, oh, Lord, God, forgive me and forgive us. 
for our callousness. And yet, what we believe determines how we treat people, all people, the people working in your house. That's what that's what's so amazing to me is to see people who are Christians treat people that are they feel like are lesser than them in a lesser way. The way they treat people at, at a restaurant that someone messes up their meal and and a Christian is rude back to them. That shouldn't happen. When we change and grow and get more love of God inside us, the more word of God we have inside us, the more love of God we have inside us, the more forgiven we know we are, the more we want to do for the Lord and the more we forgive, the more prideful we are, the less we obey because we have better ideas than God. Perhaps it was a better idea to just keep working on what I was working on and not get interrupted. I might have lost my train of thought or whatever. God wants us to take care of people. What you believe will affect how you react to circumstances. I know a lady who had a very difficult divorce with a very difficult circumstances. She had cancer. She had cancer again. She's had surgery to remove something in her back, and now she can't walk. And she's full of joy. And she's not cursing God. You see, how you react to circumstances is according to what you really believe. And she really believes that God is good. Because he says he is. And she really believes that the things that have happened to her are because we're in a fallen world. And because there is an enemy. And she really believes that God loves her. And that God has a plan for her. And she really believes that he is her healer. And she and I both said, you know, if we don't get healed before Jesus comes back, and he comes back in our generation, he's going to find us both believing that we will be. God's never, ever going to take you up to his throne in heaven and say, you know, I need to talk to you a little bit. You just really, really believe me too much. You know, I'm just not that great. And you bragged on me too much and you loved me too much. You expected too much. And I'm not talking about presumption. Make sure it's in the word. But I'm talking about how you believe will determine how you react to every circumstance in your life. And then how you react really determines how that circumstance ends up. There are so many times that in praise, by themselves, Christians have been miraculously healed. There's so many things that we don't know that can happen in our lives if we just stay in belief. And we can't just decide to do that today. We can't just say, okay, I'm going to just believe. I like what that girl said and, and I'm going to do it. Okay, Kathleen, I agree with you. I'm going to believe. We need to be on our faces every morning in the sense of putting our pride down and saying, God, if, if, if you don't help me, I'm not going to make it. I choose to believe you. Change my heart. Change me. We need to open the Word before we open the newspaper. Sometimes I put the Bible next to the newspaper and it's, you know, 
5 o'clock in the morning. And, of course, Lacey's been up since 4.30, and he's, like, a happy and alert, and he's already done, like, four projects. And, and I haven't had coffee um, or narcotics. And so I'm sort of, like, in the kitchen, like, trying to just get stable. And um, I have so often looked at the Bible and looked at the newspaper and thought, I'd really rather read the newspaper. Or looked at a magazine and looked at the Bible and gone, hmm, I'd really rather read that magazine. You see, you don't do what you'd rather do because then you're obeying your flesh and your flesh is Lord. And then when you pray, oh Lord, oh Lord, there you are with yourself. If that's a lifestyle for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? God has really prompted me to read the Word in the morning. I don't know when He's prompted you to read the Word, so that's not a doctrine. It's not like, well, you know what? I just found out the Bible said that you have to read the Bible before the newspaper. No, that's not. That's something that God has just placed on my heart. But you need to ask God, when do you want me to read your word? When am I most alert? When can I take it in the best? I, you need his word to change and to be more mature so that he can share more with you and you can obey more. And it gets easier. Obedience is easier the more of the word you have in you. Because then when God asks you to do something, many times a scripture will come up in your heart. And you'll know instantly, gosh, this is God. Give him something to work with. So often we say, God, speak to us, speak to us. And he's like, you know, give me something to work with. Put a few things of of me in you so I can, you know, work with them. I, I know another lady who I feel is being slandered in a way and attacked and persecuted. But she refuses to live under the circumstances. She's risen above the circumstances and and has refused to defend herself. And that's admirable because there's no one that any one of us would rather defend and need to defend and feel absolutely justified in defending than ourselves. Especially when we were innocent. And yet she knows God is her avenger. See, what do you really believe? You get down to that. You can say, I know God's my avenger. I know that no weapon uh, formed will hurt me. And everything um, spoken against me, I will refute because I'm an inheritor of, of God's kingdom. You, you can know scriptures like that. And yet, what you really believe is how you react. How you respond in this situation. In yourself, what you really believe about God determines how you respond to yourself. If you really believe God's word, that He loves you, and that you're forgiven, and that He wants to cleanse you every day, and you're forgiven from what you did this morning, if you ask Him, I mean... You're forgiven from the worst things that you've done in your life, for the things you did on purpose, for the times you wandered away, for the times you were angry with God, for the
for the things that you did, even that have affected the lives of another. In Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And so, if you really believe that, you don't let anybody hold you in unforgiveness. Can you forgive yourself? That's what you should know. You should really believe. And you should really believe Romans 8.28, that all things, even the things that you purposely did wrong, all things work for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purposes. That's you, if you choose it to be so. I remember Lacey, there was something that he told me that he had done before we were married, and it really affected me. Um, He needed to tell me. And yet, um, he had asked forgiveness from the Lord, and he was forgiven. And being female, and not really knowing that you shouldn't have a file cabinet of things that you bring up every 10 to 15 years. In times of, of, of intimacy especially, I'd bring it up. And I just remember one time, it was at least 10, 12 years ago, he said, God has forgiven me. The word says God has forgotten. This is your problem. You haven't forgotten. He didn't let anyone hold that guilt over him. And I'm telling you today, if you've asked forgiveness, don't let someone hold guilt over you. Lovingly say, God promises that He forgives and that He forgets, that He separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. They are in the deepest part of the sea. They are forgotten. I will forgive you and remember your sins no more. God says that at least four times in the Word. But you have to believe it to be free. And there are people with sad faces and sad lives and and, and guilt written all over them that simply don't believe that God has really forgiven them. We need to obey God and believe God. The Hebrew word for believe is amen. It's a primary root word meaning to build or to support, to foster as a parent or nurse, to render firm or faithful, to trust or believe, to be permanent or quiet, to be true or certain. Hence, assurance, believe, bring up, establish, be faithful of long continuance, steadfast, sure, surely, trusty and verified. And of course, our familiar word, amen, comes from Amen, the primary root word, which means to believe. It's like every time you say Amen, which basically translates, so be it. Every time you say that, you need to know in your heart, you need to say, I believe you, God, so be it. How many prayers do we pray that we don't even believe God will really do? We need to get into our minds, so be it. Amen. I was praying with my daughter in the swimming pool um, yesterday, which sounds really crazy. And, you know, she's not like, she's normal. She's totally, believe me, she's normal. She's 12 and a half, and she wants, 
And I don't want to reveal too much with her because she needs to be covered and it needs to be private. And she's an amazing girl that has other things going on. You know, every child is a special needs child. Do you know that? She has very special needs. And after we prayed, which, you know, of course she really didn't want to do, she said, you know what amen to me is, Mom? And I said, no. And she said, it's the stamp that sends the letter. And I just want you to think of that. And then she said, you know, even better, it's the send button that sends the email. And I said, you're right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We ask you to change us. We ask you to help us. We humble ourselves before you. We want you as our Lord. We ask that you would help us to obey. Help us to know today when we are supposed to open your word. What time of day? When? Lord Jesus, we need more of you inside us. We want to belong to you And we want not only to belong to you, but to bring others into your joy and your freedom and your kingdom. I just pray in Jesus' name, if if, if anyone, any Christian in this room is feeling a spirit of fear or oppression or depression or despair or weariness or hopelessness, I command in Jesus' name for that spirit to leave according to Matthew 18, 18. And according to Luke 10.14 that says that we can trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. We have been given that authority. I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would come and cleanse us. Give us peace as we believe God. And everyone says, Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.